all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Today, you're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And welcome to 2023. Today is our first live show of 2023. You don't realize how many holidays fall on a Monday till you host a Monday radio show. Um, But I'm happy to be live with you today. Unfortunately, I'm not in the studio. I've been a little under the weather. So if my voice makes a creaky noise, that's what's going on. But I very much wanted to be with, uh, with you guys today and talk about my five top ways to be healthier in this new year. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org. So this is the time of year when a lot of folks set resolutions, right? And I'm not the biggest fan of setting New Year's resolutions. When we look at kind of all the resolutions that are out there and the quote-unquote success rate for resolutions, the vast majority of people have ditched those resolutions by February. And that often leads to, you know, feelings of failure or guilt or, you know, another one of these just kind of tanks to our confidence in being able to to do things and make change. So instead of making something a, a resolution, I just like to think about, you know, different uh, tips that we can incorporate into our daily life uh, to help uh, you know, get us to our health goals, whatever those may be. Um, of course, some of the most popular ones are going to be to lose weight, and we will talk a little bit about that today. Um, a lot of times it's to you know, change our diet or to exercise more, all of those different kinds of things, and we'll explore each one of those. And my first tip um, is to set realistic goals, and I really want us to uh, unpack what I mean by the word realistic, Okay. Um, to, to get there, I want to start with what doesn't work, right? Um, what doesn't work are vague things like, I want to eat better. That may work for a couple of folks, but it usually does not translate into longstanding change or improvement. Um, things that are really restrictive or eliminations of things, in particular complete 
elimination of things often doesn't work um, because I don't know about you, but I don't really like to be told what to do. And so if the minute somebody says, you can't have this or I have to stop having this, that's all my brain wants, at least for a little while. And then I'll go, you know what? Yes, I can. I can have that. Uh, So kind of focusing on not this kind of all or nothing um, process. And then things that are really, really drastic or what I call too much, too fast. Those are all the things that are just unlikely to lead to lasting, sustainable, healthier habits that get you closer to your health goals, whatever those may be. So since weight is one of the most common uh, things that folks want to work on in the new year, um, we'll use that as an example for setting realistic goals. So I'm going to take just average person, weigh in 200 pounds, right? I'm not going to talk about how tall they are, any of those different kinds of things. But we'll say, you know, there to be a BMI in the normal range or a body mass index in the normal range or to be considered normal weight for their height, um, their goal weight would be 130 pounds, okay? This is just an example. Um, that would mean they need to lose 70 pounds, okay? That's a lot. Okay, and it can sound a lot when you kind of deliver it in this one big chunk, right? And while it can be completely doable, we have to be really careful about how we talk to ourselves about that and how we set our our shorter-term goals and how we build our plan uh, to help get there Um, because we want to keep in mind what is sustainable and healthy, and so in terms of sustainable weight loss, and what I mean by sustainable, you lose it and you keep it off, okay? Um, so sustainable weight loss is usually somewhere between one to two pounds per week, okay? Now, that's an average. When you do, uh, when you first start changing some things, you may see, a, you know, a fairly quick drop of five to ten pounds. And then you may have periods of time where you don't lose anything or you gain a couple of pounds. But when we average things out, somewhere around one to two pounds per week. And if you think about applying that to a 70-pound loss, that can take anywhere from nine months to a year and a half to get that, right? So that is a much more Uh, different goal to write or a much uh, more different way to approach this situation than if you say, I'm going to lose 70 pounds in the next six months. Some people may be able to get there, but by and large, that may not be a realistic goal for a lot of people. So how do we rewrite that goal um, and uh, kind of boost our confidence and give ourselves little checkpoints along the way um, to get there? Well, one of my... uh, Favorite response is is always going to be, well, what does the science say, right? What does the science say about what is beneficial in terms of weight loss? And so if we're trying to improve our heart health, right, which we all should be, if we're trying to get uh, better control of our blood sugar and, you know, better control of our, our diabetes, we're trying to lower our cholesterol, we're trying to lower our risk of uh, certain cancers, we're maybe trying to take some of the pressure off our joints and uh, work on our pain, then a 5 to 10 pound, 5 to 10% uh, weight reduction has been linked to helping with all of those different kinds of things, to really helping improve cardiometabolic risk, right? So heart, blood sugar, cholesterol, all those different kinds of things. 
So if we take that same um, kind of 200 pound example, right? And we say, well, what's five to 10% of that? Well, 10% of 200 is going to be 20 pounds. So 5% is going to be half of that. So now we're talking about a 10 to 20 pound loss, which is a little bit kind of easier to think about and to plan for than when we think about that ultimate long-term goal of maybe 70 pound loss. So if we break that down into one to two pounds a week, now we're talking, you know, six weeks to, you know, three or four months to get there. So that's a much more realistic, workable goal for a lot of folks. And then once you get there, right, once you've kind of achieved that goal, doesn't mean we don't, you know, reevaluate, reset, refocus, and decide if we want to continue to lose more and and build a plan from there. So that was kind of a quick explanation of that and in no way um, implies that any of that is is super easy, right? But it is a much better kind of game plan when you start to look at um, how to write a realistic goal uh, and how to kind of frame the way you look at your um, your health and wellness. A lot of people um, come to me on lots of different medications for maybe blood pressure, blood sugar, those kinds of things. And their stated goal when they come in is, I want to get off of these medications. And I love that goal, right? That's a wonderful goal. And I um, want to be able to take you off of those medications when it is appropriate to do so. But if we want to step back and frame that in the role of a realistic goal, let's look at maybe how many blood pressure medicines we're on and what the doses of those are. If we are all the way at the tippy top of maximum doses of multiple blood pressure medicines, then we probably want to refine our goal down and make it a little bit more realistic for the next several months, which may be that we just get really good control of our blood pressure on the medicines that we're on if our blood pressure wasn't already controlled. Um, And then maybe we talk about how we back down on the doses of some of those medications and then start to eliminate those medications one by one. When we make those things bite-sized, right, and we we chip away at this a little bit at a time, we build confidence as we achieve these smaller goals, which actually increases something called self-efficacy, which is one of the greatest drivers of behavior change. In essence, can we believe, do we believe that we can do this, right? And each of these little wins along the way help to increase that and help us to give, you know, give that support to ourselves that, yes, I can do this. Yes, I will do this. Um, and that's some different languaging as well between can and can and will. Those are, are two really important things as as we're thinking about um, behavior change and about setting goals and about really wanting to to know you know where you want to be in terms of your health journey. So one of the first things I recommend is just get you a blank sheet of paper and think about where you want to be. January 2024, and I don't mean where you want to be locale-wise, although you can put that in there if you want, right, but where you want to be in terms of your life. What is your vision for yourself? Do you want to be, you know, playing a new sport or having a new hobby or maybe going on a vacation, all of these different kinds of things, and once we know what that big goal is, we can start to write smaller, realistic goals to get us closer to that area. 
Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we're talking about my five top ways to be healthier in the new year. All right, my number one tip was setting um, realistic goals. And once we kind of get that goal in mind, there are lots of different steps that, that go into that. And my number two tip is to ditch the word exercise, which I know people are like, what? Why? I didn't say ditch movement. I said ditch the word exercise and change it to thinking about just the notion of movement. So daily movement is my number two tip. Um, When I say the word exercise, I want you all to just kind of stop and think. What's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when I say that word, right? For the vast majority of especially people who are not currently physically active, it's usually a not so great thought or emotion that follows the word exercise, right? We tend to, in my mind, I picture like somebody running and like sweating and not having fun uh, in my head. And I, I like exercise, but it still has that kind of negative feeling around it. And it often paints the picture of something that has to be very formal, right, where it has to be um, on this exercise plan or I'm joined the gym or, you know, I do my exercise Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and this is what I do. And none of those things are wrong. Absolutely. Um, You can have an exercise plan. You can go to the gym. You can schedule your workouts, all of these different kinds of things. But it can be a little bit um, daunting for folks who uh, maybe have not exercised in a while. And so shifting the thought from, quote, unquote, exercise to daily movement just makes it more of, you know, something like brushing your teeth, right? It's just something that we do on a daily basis. And when we're starting out on something like this, one thing that I find to be super helpful is self-reflection, right, and looking at what are our current movement practices, right? How active are we during our normal day, right? And a lot of times we overestimate how physically active we are, right? We think we take more steps than we do or that we're up and moving more. So I usually like for people to just you know, ideally for a week, but uh, at least for a couple of weekdays and then a a weekend day, really intentionally pay attention to how much we're sitting, how much we're standing, and are we being mobile and, and moving around and doing things. And that can be things like yard work. It can be housework. Um, but you know, how much time do we spend just being sedentary and, and sitting, And if the majority of your waking hours are spent in a sedentary position, then looking for ways to add daily movement um, is a really important uh, role. Not, I don't even want us to think of it in terms of weight loss, but just in terms of overall health and wellness. Um, Again, that word exercise is usually um, linked, whether good or bad, to um, what we eat. Right. And like trying to earn something or uh, to make up for something that we ate 
or to try to get us to a certain weight goal or any of those different kinds of things. So again, kind of ditching that word exercise and reframing it in just movement and starting to explore some of the other benefits that um, are a multitude of other benefits when you look at, at movement, right? Um, one of the most profound uh, is the impact of movement on our uh, mental health, right? You guys know I like to, to go into the literature and see what the studies are saying out there. Um, and I did find an interesting one that looked at about 1,500 people um, that kind of already had a diagnosis of depression. And uh, based on looking, this was multiple studies that they compiled together, right? So again, that's a higher level of evidence when you have multiple studies being compiled and looked at. About 40 to 50% of those folks responded positively um, to that movement, right? And to adding movement into their um, routine. So uh, depression, anxiety, feeling down, all of those things can be improved with, with movement, right? Um, so that's, that's always one piece I want to keep in mind there. And then there's just the um, also exposure to being outside. So that's kind of the second piece of this daily movement is look for ways to be outside if you can. I know here in Mississippi, we, our weather is just, you never know what you're going to get. Some days it's going to be hot, some days it's going to be cold, some days it's going to be rainy. Um, but look for pockets of time when you can get outside. Bonus points if it's in the afternoon because uh, exposure to that afternoon sunlight helps our brain realize where the sun is in the sky. And that helps our brain realize what time of the day it is and helps to promote healthier sleep and falling asleep easier in the uh, at nighttime which we all know I love sleep and, and the benefits of sleep in terms of, of healthy living. So when you're looking for ways to start um, daily movement, everybody's can look different, right? Doesn't have to look the same. It may be a run for someone. It may be a walk for someone else. It may be a bike ride. It may be tennis. It may be a variety of different things, um, but the intentionality of adding that movement in is really, really important, right? And start super slow, right? Five minutes of extra daily movement, right? So above what you're currently doing, five minutes just to establish the process. And a lot of time, I actually have see people just go sit outside for five minutes, right? Just go out for five minutes, sit Try and clear your brain, focus on the things that you see around you, that you hear around you, that you smell and that you can touch and all of these different kinds of things. Um, sometimes I even add in uh, what I call nature journaling, where I have people you know, intentionally write down some of the things that they see. Uh, but just building that habit of having five minutes of me time that you can then leverage to five minutes of uh, daily movement can be really powerful in um, taking care of yourself and not only your physical well-being, but your mental well-being as well. So daily movement is, is number two there. And I often get asked, you know, do you, you know, do I need to buy anything fancy to do daily movement? Again, it's going to depend on what your what movement you choose, right? But if it's just, you know, walking, going and sitting outside, you know, think about where you're going to go where you're going to walk, you know, do you need shoes, new shoes or, you know, better shoes or any of those different kinds of things there that goes into kind of building that 
that healthy, um, that plan, right? And so that's my third tip, right, is to plan ahead and also include a backup plan, okay? Um, or what I've also seen termed as a bounce back plan, which I, you know, I've t- typically called it a backup plan, but I'm really liking the term bounce back plan. Um, I, you know, I have um, my kind of yearly plan um, written out with you know, the goals I have for the upcoming year. And um, I got a great new um, under the desk walking pad. And so I had all of these uh, plans written out for how I was going to use that when I'm you know, charting or on meetings and those kinds of things in my office. And I've been sick for a week and a half. So I have not been able to to use that. And so I'm coming up with my bounce back plan for that, right? And how I kind of bounce back from the setback that I've had um, without kind of derailing my long-term goals that I have uh, for the year. So you don't have to plan every minute of your day. I certainly don't. Um, But it's just like baking a cake, right? If you're going to bake a cake, one of the first things you do is you find a recipe for most people, right? Um, And when you look at that recipe, you go, all right, these are the things I need to do this. Do I have them? Right? Do I have these things that I need? And if I have it already, yay, right? Uh, If I don't have it already, can I get it? Um, Where am I going to get it? When am I going to go get these things, right? And so that's the same when we're talking about a plan for any aspect of, you know, adopting a healthier lifestyle. Do I have the things I need to be able to do that? If I don't, is there somewhere that I can acquire that, whether it be a skill that is needed, um, whether it be um, something as tangible as a pair of shoes or, you know, a gym membership if you choose to do that. Uh, or new foods at the store, all of those different kinds of things. Uh, And if you can get it, then when are you going to go get it? And that may seem incredibly specific and kind of nitpicky, but it's really important to be that concrete when you're thinking through these things. Um, And then the self-reflection piece that comes from that. So whatever you set your goal for, right? In January, I'm going to walk for five minutes um, intentionally every day. At the end of January, step back and, you know, you know, did I bake this cake? Did I do this um, walking? And did it turn out how I hoped or how I wanted? And if not, what kept me from doing that, right? What kept that cake from rising? And the plan for addressing that particular issue moving forward. So for me, already kind of almost two weeks into January, my exercise or movement plan hasn't gone uh, the way I thought it was going to go, um, but I'm able to identify the reason for that and to kind of reset and refocus and uh, make a make a bounce back plan for that uh, that situation. And so it's really important um, to put those things down on paper, um, putting things down on paper, even a, with like writing it down in handwriting um, makes things a little bit more concrete and adds a kind of a different pathway in your brain um, when you're building these kinds of plans there and knowing that um, you can make adjustments to them and tweaks to them at, at any point in time. Just like it was really important to set realistic goals, we also want to set realistic plans, right? That's why 
you know, guidelines for physical activity are 150 minutes a week. If we're not currently physically active, I don't want to, I would encourage you not to write that plan uh, to suddenly be at 150 minutes a week by the end of this week. Uh, That is what would be not realistic for most folks. Um, Also, I wouldn't want you just to say, I'm going to be more active this week, right? That, That kind of violates that vague principle. Um, give yourself some um, some directions, right? Some steps and instructions, just like on a recipe, um, to be able to to follow, and give yourself a blueprint for how you're going to engage in um, in physical activity or daily movement as you work through um, through your uh, your health goals and your health journey. Um, again, bonus points if we do um, some outdoor activity, even if that is just sitting, focusing on your breath and your deep breathing, um, and paying attention to the things that we see, smell, touch, um, uh, and uh, and can taste um, out in uh, in nature. We've talked about uh, setting really realistic goals. We talked about the importance of daily movement and also the importance of having a plan and then a bounce back plan when things may not go according to that plan that you wrote to start with. The next uh, tip, no surprise, is going to involve some nutrition. Um, But you may be surprised when I say the word add, right? Um, We often think about, uh, and we're so conditioned in this diet culture to think about what I need to stop doing or what I need to eliminate from my diet or things I need to reduce. Um, But I want us to instead focus on what to add to your plate. And the way we frame things and the way we talk to ourselves in our head matters. It's It's one of those things that we don't, You can't touch it. You can't see it. Um, But the way we speak to ourselves matters, right? And when we constantly frame things as I can't have that or I don't need that or I have to cut that out, um, again, that makes us feel down. It can make us feel discouraged. If we do have some of whatever it is we're supposed to be, you know, cutting out, um, then we can have the guilt associated with that. So I'd rather us focus on how we add to our plate, add to our dietary pattern. Um, Because when you start to add things in, it kind of starts to naturally crowd some of these other things that we may not need as much of out, right? Um, I tend to not love the word moderation. Um, That phrase gets thrown around a lot, you know, everything in moderation, and it you know, while it's true there there is a role for, you know, any food in your um, diet that you consume, um, I don't love the word um, moderation because I think it's one of those vague words and can often lead us um, kind of down the road of, of moderate consumption of a lot of things during the day that may not get us to where we want in terms of our health goals. So when we're thinking about what we add to our plate, we do want to think about what we're eating currently, right? So just like evaluating our movement patterns and, you know, if we're if we're moving, when we're doing it, what kinds, those kinds of things, we want to do the same in terms of what it is that we're eating and drinking, right? So you can write it down on a piece of paper, 
You can use an app like MyFitnessPal for no reason other than there's free version and it's pretty easy to use. But there are several other ones out there. There's Lose It and um, you know some other ones that are available to do um, that people use on their uh, phone or tablet. Um, but just the act of writing it down and looking at it and having a little bit of self-reflection from that may lead us to see that we're not having as much as some of the things that we that we should have, and maybe we're having a little bit too much of the things that, that we know are not um, getting us to where we want to be in terms of our health. So writing those down really objectively, um, a lot of times people tell me that they don't want to write it down and, and show it to me because they're afraid I'm going to be mad. I am not going to be mad, um, and I would encourage you not to be mad at yourself either. It's just information. Right, just information so that we can make um, decisions off of that, and that we can set really realistic goals and an awesome plan and bounce back plan. So, thinking about what you eat currently, then you can look and see: Are there things on this plate that are missing that I need to eat more of? And are there things on this plate that maybe I could eat less of, and that would allow me to increase those others? Right, again, adding to that plate and by and large, when we look at the the American diet or the standard American diet or a Western diet, some of the things that we're lacking are going to be fruits and veggies, um, whole grains. And some of the things we've got a little bit too much of are um, saturated fats and salt and those types of things. So once we know where we are, we can start to think about how we shift those proportions and how we add to that plate. And that can be achieved with a variety of um, dietary patterns. I talk a lot about plant-based diets on this show, um, but not every plant-based diet has to look the same. Uh, and not everybody has to be, you know, textbook plant-based. But I do want you to choose a dietary pattern that has a couple of um, couple of requirements for me, right? One is that it fits your budget, okay? Um, that's how we make something sustainable, I mean, we don't want to order something that's super expensive or go buy super expensive groceries if we're not going to be able to sustain being able to do that, right? So once fits your budget, fits your lifestyle. And by that, I mean the amount of time you have to spend on your food, right? Um, I don't get home till a little later uh, at night, just work, getting the kids, getting them to all their other activities, those kinds of things. And so there's little some shortcuts that I take around the kitchen. Maybe I buy some things already pre-chopped. Maybe I buy some things pre-shredded, you know, pre -shredded, whatever it is, um, to be able to help me get things on the table uh, in time. Um, so matching our budget and our lifestyle. And then the most important one is your taste buds right? Um, there are a multitude of diets out there, but if you don't like the food, you are not going to stick with that. Okay? You, may, you may for a while, but over time, you're going to go, mm -mm, I like food, and I like food that tastes good, and so I'm not going to eat this, right? And so if you don't like a particular food, just because um, science or research says this is a good food to add to your plate, don't do that. Right. If you don't enjoy it, um, you know, I see that a lot with some of the more fad diets and some of the more, you know, kind of gimmicky things where it says you have to eat this much cabbage a day or, you know, you can only have cabbage soup. Well, if you don't like cabbage, then that's not going to work for you right in the long term. So 
fit in your budget, fit in your lifestyle, fit in your taste buds. And then the most important one is it does need to be grounded in science as well, right? Because there are a lot, like I said, a lot of dietary patterns out there. And some of them have really good evidence behind them and some of them don't. Um, so one of the places um, that puts out a, a, a report every year is U.S. News. Um, they put out the, their best diets every year. And, of course, the, the 2023 diets just came out. And it's very interesting when you dig around on that, that website uh, because there are several categories. There's the best overall diet categories. And some of the things that go into, you know, how that score is calculated is the health benefits of it, right? Does it have good evidence that it helps with overall health? Um, and then the cost of it and the sustainability of it, all of those go into play. And so year after year after year, um, Mediterranean diet strikes in um, usually in the, one of the top two spots. Um, it was number one last year. It's number one again this year um, for best overall. Um, and then tied for second is DASH and flexitarian. And that may be something that folks are not as familiar with the term flexitarian um, diet. Uh, but what flexitarian means is it's largely plants. Um, kind of a, a vegetarian type diet, so fruits, veggies, grains, um, eggs, dairy, uh, those types of things, and then occasionally meat and fish, right? So it's more about eating um, what you what you want or what meets your needs for that day instead of being, I'm not going to eat meat or I'm not going to eat dairy or I'm not going to eat eggs. Um, it, it allows you to be flexible there, which you can imagine then increases the, uh, the chance that you stick with it, that you hang on to it. Um, I always like to then look at what, what does this site say is the easiest to follow, right? The easiest dietary pattern to follow. And um, flexitarian is, is on there as well. So at the heart of all of these diets that show up as best overall, as best for um, heart health or blood sugar, they're all largely plant predominant, right? Um, and within varying degrees of, of adding in plants. But if there's one that you're just kind of wanting to know more about or look at, can't go wrong looking at Mediterranean or flexitarian ways of eating um, to kind of maybe kick off what you need to add more of to your plate. Um, a lot of times when uh, we start building meals in, in clinic, I have this uh, plate that I bring out and I ask people to kind of build build their current meal that they their go-to on there. And when we do that, um, there's usually a piece of meat there. Again, that's fine. It's usually a pretty big piece of meat. Um, a good chunk of starch and usually a second starch. So, I mean, there's probably a potato there, rice or pasta, something like that. And there's usually also bread um, there. There's nothing wrong with bread, right? Um, but what is missing is usually the non-starchy vegetable and the fruit, right? So it's not about no bread. It's not about no rice or no pasta or, you know, no, uh, none of those things. It's just about what can we add? Right. So let's add some non-starchy vegetables to that plate. Things like green beans or asparagus or turnip greens or spinach or mushrooms or onions and peppers and tomatoes and all these different kinds of um, lovely um, vegetables. And then maybe have a piece of fruit for dessert 
and see how full we get with those things. And maybe that translates into leaving the bread off next time, right? Or um, cutting back on the, the portion of rice that we have um, or, you know, any of those combinations of those things that uh, you acquired by kind of adding to your plate. The same can be said with beverages, right? Maybe you're a soda drinker or a sweet tea drinker. Instead of thinking about cutting those out, think about how can I have more water, right? And as we add more water to our uh, daily routine, it kind of crowds out um, some of those other beverage choices in there. So just a different way to frame and think about how you approach your plate and approach your nutrition over the coming year. Um, but check out that list of, uh, of best dietary patterns. That's at um, U.S. News. And they have tons of information, meal plans, recipes, all kinds of things to get you, get you going um, on your um, healthier habits for the new year. I'm Josie Bidwell, and we've been talking about healthier habits for the new year. And I do believe we have a caller on the line. So we'll go to Mobile and say good morning to Mikey. Good morning. Hey, happy new year. And thank you for, thank you for all the the, (laughs) super fine work that you (laughs) and the staff at MPB have done, you know. Um, Okay, but I'm going to, I'm going to cut to the chase here and say that um, uh, I have been gifted because we had the hard freeze thing, which is uh, Mm -hmm. the first in a hundred years as from what I hear. Um, so I have citrus, 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 um, uh, lemons and satsumas. Um, okay. And, of course, they are too valuable, way too valuable to waste. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, other than donating them and or um, uh, uh, making other products out of them, I've been working with um, fermentation myself. Um, uh, give me some ideas, please, ma'am. Yeah, so actually one of my favorite things to do when, like if I buy a bag on sale or any of those kinds of things is to um, freeze it. And so you can do it a couple different ways. You can um, uh, juice it and then pour the juice in little ice cube trays and freeze it. And then once they're frozen, pop those ice cubes out and put them in a Ziploc bag and pop them in the um uh, freezer, and then they're ready to, you know, add to soups, add to stews, sauces, all those different kinds of things there, or throw in a smoothie, those types of things. Okay, now, um, and excuse me for interrupting, please. Uh-huh. But um, with satsumas, they are different from other kinds of things, and mm-hmm. there are some things threatening um, all citruses. So we want mm-hmm. to make the best of what we can from mm-hmm. my understanding of agricultural friends, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, to do with it while we have it. But satsumas are totally different because they are not like oranges. You just mm-hmm. rip off the peel. Uh, mm-hmm. And frankly, I, I make some products with the peels that um, mm-hmm. have been pretty popular lately. Um, yeah, but uh, don't waste it. Just don't waste yeah. it. But like I said, the satsumas do not have the um, the hard what agriculture call yeah. rag. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's what makes it easy to work with. Mhm, mhm. They're one of my favorite snacks. I usually keep a bowl on my desk 
mine because, you know, they don't need to be refrigerated and it's just easy for me to grab and, and have for a snack. So I am not the office but, to go to but, for the but candy But when you bowl. do refrigerate them, they will work as permanent ice cubes. So, really? you know, as the spring comes on with the hot weather uh-huh. and you've already put them in the freezer and they're frozen, you can still use the peels and you can definitely still use the interior. Anyhow, I'm going too far. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's wonderful. I will give that a try. You can also cut up any of these fruits and add them to a big jug of water in the fridge and have some fruit-infused water, which often helps people who uh, don't love the taste of water and you know may struggle to, to get uh, their their daily needs of water in there. And all right, Mikey, that was a wonderful You can tip. make insect repellent. Oh. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thank stuff. you. Bye. <laughs> Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you so much. All right. In the last few minutes, we'll talk about my last tip, which is to see your healthcare provider for a checkup. If you've not been to your healthcare provider in the last year, um, or more frequently, if they uh, are treating something for you and have recommended more frequent follow-ups, now now's your sign to go ahead and make an appointment with your healthcare provider for a checkup and discuss that goal, right? Whatever your realistic goal is that you set for yourself, discuss that with your healthcare provider. Um, I'm sure they'll want to talk to you about it, right? Um, it's really important that we're on the same page and that we're a team when we're working toward our health goals, right? The second piece of that is knowing your numbers, right? And a lot of times people are able to tell me, you know, what their blood pressure has been running or what their blood sugar is, but take it a step further, not just knowing what the numbers are, but what does that mean, right? What does that mean in terms of your overall health? If your blood pressure is 140 over 90, what does that mean in terms of your health and wellness, right? Is that a goal, right? So a lot of times if we don't adjust medicines or anything like that, people may think, oh, my blood pressure is exactly where it needs to be. Ask, right? So could my blood pressure be better? What are the things I could be doing to get it better? What's the goal that you have for me in terms of what my blood pressure is or what my blood sugar is, what my cholesterol is? So knowing those numbers and the ones that I recommend, know what um, your blood pressure is know what um, your blood sugar or your hemoglobin A1C is, know what your cholesterol is, and then know what um, your weight or BMI um, is. Those are just important numbers. Just jot them down in um, in a book. And again, what that means for your individual um, health and what your uh, clinician or or healthcare provider's goals are for you in terms of those things. then we want you to also know your medicines, right? What meds you're on, know why you take them, what are the expected side effects, if any, of these things, and do we have any plans to stop them or to decrease the dose, right? And that's really, really, really important, right, um, in understanding why we're taking the medications that we're taking, how they work um, to help us get to the goals that we want for um, ourselves. And is this a medicine that we're going to have to stay on forever? Or is this something that um, there's the potential to come down on the dose or to be able to stop them in the future if we're able to make some additional lifestyle changes? We also want to use that checkup to get up to date on any vaccines that uh, you may be needing, Um, your annual flu vaccine, COVID boosters, pneumonia shots, shingles vaccine, um, tetanus, all of those are um, 
uh, appropriate and, and applicable in the adult um, uh, health maintenance schedule. And then those screenings that may need to occur based off of your age, your uh, gender, your uh, individual health risk, things like colonoscopies, things like low-dose CT scans if you're um, a smoker, um, triple uh, A, which is an abdominal aneurysm screening for a certain set of people. That's why it's important to talk with your healthcare provider about your individual risks and the screenings you need to be up to date on. All right, guys, we're out of time for today. I've enjoyed kicking off 2023 with you. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at UMMC. Southern Remedy is produced by Kevin Farrell and the podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. Tune in to MPB Think Radio every weekday morning at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.